Yes. Five, four, three, two, one. Welcome to Up In Your Business with Carrie McCoy, a production of FlagandBanner.com. Through storytelling and conversational interviews, this weekly radio show and podcast offers listeners an insider's view into the commonalities of successful people and the ups and downs of risk-taking. Connect with Carrie through her candid, funny, informative, and always encouraging weekly blog. And now it's time for Carrie McCoy to get all up in your business. Thank you, Sun Gray. My guests today are the most interesting visionaries and entrepreneurs, Mr. Perry Smith and his business partner, retired U.S. Air Force Brigadier General John Michael. Together, they are bringing Arkansas's beloved Minuteman franchise and menu with its famous charcoal grilled hamburgers, popular hickory smoked burger, and deep dish radar pies back to central Arkansas. As a young man, Perry had many interests. He was Maryland State's track team's pole vault champion. I don't think I've ever known a pole vault champion before. (laughs) He played football. He's an amateur boxer. Must mean he's thick-headed, sorry, to his wife, and member of the Screen Actors Guild SAG. Though his young life began in Little Rock, it was in the East where Perry would find himself going to school and beginning his career as a restaurateur. Today, we're going to talk with Perry and his business partner, John Michael, about this, about Perry's founding in 2001, the multi-million dollar matchbox food group that grew to $50 million. I can't wait to see how he did that. His 2016 startup, the Avalon Institute, with retired U.S. Air Force Brigadier General John Michael, who is joining us today at the table, and Perry's recent move back to Arkansas, where, again, he is partnering with his retired friend, General Michael, along with Miss Linda McGugan, owner-operator of the Last Minute Man restaurant in El Dorado, Arkansas, to grow this beloved franchise that once had over 50 locations. And not to be overlooked, we are also going to have Perry tell us about the story and life of Minuteman founder Wes Hall. He's fascinating, and Perry was able to use the University of Arkansas Little Rock papers for research into Hall's genius marketing, old menus, operations, and even his old recipes. It is my great pleasure to welcome to the table the ambitious entrepreneurs, dreamers, and Minuteman Hamburger Restaurant saviors, Mr. Perry Smith and retired Brigadier General John Michael. Well, thank you for having us on the show. That was quite the lead, and I, I haven't heard anybody talk about my career and uh, it, it, in that in such depth for quite a while. So thanks for having us on the show. You're welcome. Thanks for coming. Appreciate that. You were born in Little Rock, but moved east. Was it to father follow your father's career? He actually was was a uh, he he was part of the, the Rockefeller administration, and um, he had graduated law school, taught at Emory um, in Atlanta, and I was actually born in Atlanta, but we moved immediately back to Little Rock, and he was a member of the Public Service Commission, and from there he was a, he was one of the last Nixon appointees to public office. Um, so when I was about nine. Nine, ten years old, we moved to the Washington D.C. area, and he he became a member of or the uh, commissioner at uh, the Federal Energy Regulatory Commission. Uh, so that's when we we landed in in uh, you know the Maryland area. But we were always back in Arkansas. I mean, for any holiday, visiting relatives, and um, you know coming back to the state. Your family is a family of educators. 
but you are really not. And I can see why you were coming back all the time because your father had been taught law at the University of Arkansas. I guess he taught law. He, he taught classes there. He, and again, he also taught at Emory. And I just found out from my mom, she corrected me, he actually taught at the University of Illinois as well. Oh. So, uh, your mother taught at Shorter College. She did. Is Shorter College an African-American college? It is. That's really awesome. And that was in the 70s. Your grandfather was the head of the history department and your grandmother was the head of the English department at, at Hendricks College in Conway, Arkansas. Yes, ma'am. Yeah, they, she... So, so my my grandfather who was actually my step grandfather. Um, my dad's father had passed away when when he was very young, but I saw him as my grandfather was Richard Yates, and so Richard Yates was the head of the history department and long term faculty member there. And my my grandmother Helen Yates, uh, her maiden name Sanders, uh, was the head of the English department, and so we spent our time as kids in Conway. Um, staying there, you know, going to Hendricks, swimming in the pool, and just kind of roaming the campus. Were they so disappointed that you decided to go to Maryland State? Well, I went to Lehigh in Pennsylvania, but they I actually had applied to uh, to Hendricks and was accepted to Hendricks. And my decision came down to, you mentioned my pole vault career. Hendricks wanted me to come and pole vault, and I had planned to do that, but I was offered, you know, a little bit of money to, to go play uh, football in the Northeast at Lehigh, so I made that choice. So, tell us about being a champion pole vaulter. Uh, why pole vaulting? What was your highest vault? And how does that compare to today's athletes? Um, so, I still... Okay, well, this is an interesting question. You don't still I, pole I haven't vault. answered questions about pole you vaulting for a long time. <laughs> I, I tried to pick it up about four years ago, and I said... How I old tried, are you? I'm 55. You tried to pick it up at 50. I, I tried because there was a, a, a gentleman in our area who, who actually has pole vault clinics and he teaches seniors how to pole vault. So I tried it and I lasted about three weeks and I said, I'm glad I got it out of my system. Like, <laughs> I'm not doing this anymore. I hope you didn't break anything. I, I, you, it's the way you land and your body hurts and we're getting old. Um, but it, it's interesting. The, um, my pole vault career was the balance in my football career because I... Football, as you know, is a team sport, and you're playing as a team, you're working out as a team, and I wanted, you know, the pole vaulting is more individual, and I mm-hmm. said, okay, well, you know, I'll run spring track, and I can train for football, um, but I picked it up as a, in 10th grade, and the highest height I went to, I think, was 13-3, and was a Maryland State runner-up my junior year and senior year. What do they go to now? Because, you know, everything's bigger now. So now they, they, they go up around 15 feet. I think you have state champions, you know, in, in our area, 15 feet. But the Arkansas is a thriving pole vault community. And they, they're they over 16 feet. Yeah. And, and women are pole vaulting, too. They just keep improving the uh, equipment. Right. And I think people are taller. But you're tall. You're 6'3", you said. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> Graduate of New York University. Uh so you got a degree at the one school in history. Then you went and got a degree in New York in uh, communications, I think. Yes, ma'am. You wanted to be an actor? Because you're, uh, you're a member of the uh, <clears throat> SAG, the Screen Actors Guild. So it's an interesting story. So I went to NYU um, and essentially moved to Greenwich Village with a bag. Uh, getting my grad degree there, I took a, had taken a semester off. I got accepted at NYU. And I balanced out my NYU career studying communications um, by working in hospitality. And I also had some roommates who were actors. And one thing led to another. And they said, would you like to hear this commercial casting? They need football players. Oh. And I said, um, 
sure. I, I said, you know, I'm, I'm still kind of a football player. So I, I went to this Mountain Dew casting uh, where, where they were casting about 10 football players and auditioned for it. And I got it. And so the next thing you know, I'm in full a football uniform in a giant stadium shooting a commercial. <laughs> and, I'm just, and they paid me for it. So, so, that, so that's why you had to join the. So they forced me to school, right after that. You have to if you're in order to do more, you have to join the union. Mm-hmm. I think at the time it was four hundred dollars. And, and so I just took it out of what they paid me. Did you do any more work? Uh, I did. Tell them <laughs> about the movie. <laughs> <laughs> Thank I, you. I ended up. Thank you, John, for interviewing. That's a good deal. I know, and and I'm stuttering over this because I I haven't talked about this in a long time. Um, I ended up paying for a portion of my grad school with the money that I got. I did a light beer commercial with Dwight Clark, uh, the former football player for the 49ers, and a few other commercials that were some dribs and drabs here and there. But um, I did about a third-tier movie that ended up on Showtime uh, with Brian Brown, uh, the Australian actor who did cocktail do you remember that movie yeah with tom Hanks. with tom cruise i mean tom cruise yeah and just the nicest guy in the world but you so but you weren't in cocktail no no i this movie was called devlin and it was uh it was a made from for a showtime movie that they actually released it uh outside of the u.s and in canada and that was my last thing and and after that i said okay it was fun i had a great time doing it i graduated and that's when i went into business and we had a great time reviewing it. We were all oh first gosh. getting connected. It was wonderful. When did fun. y'all meet? We actually met. Uh, 2016? Uh, and actually, it was 2013 when I was in Afghanistan. I was the yep. NATO commander out there. Um, and I'd created a hospitality concept in the war zone because I had 14 nations work for me. So I was like, how do I get everyone to connect across all these cultures? So I do what a lot of people do. I look towards hospitality. Created, I found an old dilapidated uh, sh- uh, trailer and made it a coffee shop called Gratitude Cafe. Gratitude Cafe became quite popular. And I love that name, Gratitude Cafe. Somebody needs to use that. Well, that we're using it again. So, oh, good. So Gratitude Cafe was born, and then we started to tie it into social media and started soliciting people from the state. So we'd highlight a different school or a different church or a different someone who was sponsoring the coffee and the things that were going to the troops. And uh, one day we received an b- oversized box of someone who was extraordinarily generous because they saw on Twitter that there's this thing called Gratitude Cafe, and it turns out that's where Perry and I first met. So I was like, I need to call this cat. Was that you that, that sent the box? So Perry had sent a huge box. I reached out to him over social channels, and then I said, when I get out of this war, we're going to meet at a coffee shop in Washington, D.C. How did you know to send him this box of stuff? Was okay, it was let, a bunch of DVDs, or okay, what I'm was it? Throw, I'm All throw coffee this, related. Oh. Carrie, I'm going to throw this back to you. So you took a survey for, from us, from the Avalon Institute, mm-hmm. and, and you're an associative thinker. In other words, you, you get an idea and you say, well, how can I execute that idea? Well, maybe this idea will work with that idea. I'll throw that other idea out. And then, but the central idea still holds. I know what I want. I know what the goal is. My goal after I, you mentioned my other restaurants, Matchbox. After I sold Matchbox, I said, I'd like to get involved in something that benefits veterans. I'd like to also use my hospitality skills, my business skills. Where can I find this? So I started plugging stuff in the internet, and all of a sudden this thing comes up, and I said, these guys are putting a coffee shop on the airbase in Afghanistan, and, and it has it has a, a mission and a theme? And so I'm just like, this is exactly what I'm looking for. I said, we can support everybody here. So I started calling a lot of my you know former vendors, you know Cisco, U.S. Foods, and I said, okay, you guys are about to get involved in something. 
and then I was buying coffee myself, and I'm I have other friends who are coffee shop, uh, you know, founders and operators and things. I said, send them coffee. <laughs> so that's how we met. So that's what you got. He sent you the huge box of coffee. Yep. So it started with, and then other things started to show up. So he started to feed the mission. The mission got pretty popular. It was actually highlighting what Food Network or whatever it was, or in the Food Magazine, right. and. Uh, because, it was, again, uh, it was – we started – so I changed the rules when I was there. I said, we will start the day social. Canceled all the meetings from 7.30 to 8.30, and we all met at the coffee shop. So people from – and pretty soon the folks from Italy wanted to have their time to make their unique coffee that I had to – so it was hard enough getting 14 nations to even talk to each other. Then it became a matter of it was a very inclusive space, and it created what we want as a very flat where people can be very real, and it becomes very productive. He then started really feeding it, and then it kind of took on a life of its own. Today, ironically – a week ago, a friend of mine sent a picture from a coffee shop in Chicago. Uh, he and his wife were there with their little daughter. And on the wall was a picture of Gratitude Cafe taken just this year that they now sponsor. So it's taken on where now it's got a whole network of sponsors that send stuff as their way to say thank you to the troops. And then in turn, it creates opportunities for nations over there trying to do the work is it in the same work. location where you started? Same exact place. Nothing's I thought, changed. I thought all those kind of troops moved around and stuff. No, we were in uh, – so we were in the Afghan camp downtown Kabul, which is the only place we really have a presence today. So it's the last place standing seven years later. So today we're building another Gratitude Cafe, number two. Um, I work with a group that's building a 47-acre place for kids and parents to come together and for community to come together and have outdoor activities. Where's so we, that? It's in uh, – uh, Shiloh, Illinois, oh. uh, where I live. I live just outside of St. Louis. And uh, it is an old grain silo now is being converted into a coffee shop. And But it's not for the troops or it is for the troops? Nope. This one is for people in the community to come out and have an opportunity to connect and then take place in some activities to get people back out in nature. Oh, that's nice. All right. This is a great place to take a break. When we come back, we'll continue our conversation with business partners, Mr. Perry Smith and retired Brigadier General John Michael, who's just been telling us some great stories. And they're bring, those, these two guys are bringing back the Minuteman franchise and famous menu with charcoal grilled burgers and deep dish radar pies. Still to come, founding the Matchbox Food Group, what is it and how did Perry grow it to $50 million in sales? An Arkansas history lesson about West Hall founder, innovator, and marketing genius who founded Minuteman Hamburgers in 1948. You won't want to miss this story. What Smith and Michael's plans are for the future Minuteman restaurants and these two gentlemen's ideas, dream, and plans for the launching of a leadership profiling business called Avalon Institute. Tips on being a leader to come. We'll be back after the break. Well, the holidays are going to be a little different this year. What can you do to still feel that special November and December vibe in Arkansas? Decorate and share the photos and videos. Holiday home decor you won't find anywhere else is in stock now at flagandbanner.com. You can come to the store on 9th Street in downtown Little Rock and see for yourself all the different things we've got. Decorative Christmas flags, wreaths, ornaments, garland, even service-themed Christmas decorations in case somebody in your family served or is serving. Imagine the joy your active military family member will get from a video featuring that kind of Christmas decorations at home. Advent calendars, stocking stuffer gift ideas, nutcrackers, and all the Razorback-themed Christmas ornaments and decorations you can imagine. This year, do your Christmas shopping for gifts, tree trimming ideas, and home and office decorations at flagandbanner.com. Online at flagandbanner.com or in person in the showroom at 800 West 9th Street in downtown Little Rock. 
You're listening to Up In Your Business with me, Carrie McCoy. I'm speaking today with Mr. Perry Smith and retired Brigadier General John Michael, business partners in bringing back the Minuteman famous char-grilled burger and deep dish radar pie, pie and founders of the leadership program called Avalon Institute. Before the break, we talked about Perry's career as a movie star in the movie. What was the name of it? What was the name of the movie? Oh, gosh. It's, it's called on, Devlin, John. D-E-V-L-I-N, Devlin. And it's available on YouTube. <laughs> oh, and, we talk, oh, great. and we talked about John Michael starting the Gratitude Cafe in Afghanistan, did you say? And boy, it was a nice story. If you missed it, you need to go hear it. It's inspiring to hear these kind of stories. Now we need to talk about polyesters. Is that how you say it? Esters? That was at Polyesters Nightclub. Yeah. So you went from bouncing around, working at bars and nightclubs in New mm-hmm. York, Hell's Kitchen, to working at Polyester's Nightclub Group. What is that? So Polyester's was a dance club concept that, that if you remember back when there were a lot of theme bars that were happening in the 90s, there was um, Planet Hollywood, uh, what else, uh, Hard Rock Cafe. In Little Rock, we had Studebakers. Studebakers. They, they were all these theme kind of retro type bars. So Polyester's was the next iteration of a Studebaker's. And it was a 1970s uh, type of disco with a lot of fun memorabilia. We had the Brady Bunch wall where people could, you know, p- get their picture taken. We had a lot of, um, uh, we had a, a Partridge family bus where they could sit in. But it was it was the right time at the right place. And I got involved in that because uh, through a friend, uh, I started managing for them and they started to grow. It, it sounds very, very funny, but that was actually the most profitable business I've been in. Because the nightclub margins at the time were 50% after taxes. So you you sat and you just crunched up your numbers. And it was it, that was an exercise in just almost insanity because we had to expand as fast as we could to stay ahead of the curve. But we opened up uh, two in New York. I did one back in the Washington, D.C. area. Almost immediately moved to Chicago when I never set foot in Chicago. We did one in St. Louis. And then I also helped open one in Denver. But within about seven to eight years, that was my entire first career was doing these nightclubs. And then they just petered out. Right around 2001, it was about over. Were uh, you still there? I, I, no, I'd sold my shares out right about that time. And it was the right time to do it because then 9-11 happened and the entire club business just flattened. It was done. You must have worked really hard because you moved up the corporate ladder a lot. I bet you traveled a lot. I traveled a lot. The hours were insane. I worked because in the nightclub business, you're really only working four days a week as far as active operations. But I probably worked about 65 or 70 hours in four days. You just didn't really sleep in that four day period. You recovered in the three days after that. Mm-hmm. And then you did it all over again and you did it. Were you, you married? Know, I was not married at the time. Yeah, that's, I, a, that's a hard lifestyle to be married. It, it's rough. Right. Uh, so how did you now now you started Matchbox Food Group? How did you transition from managing polyester's restaurant across several states to transitioning to founding the Matchbox Food Group? What does it do? What is it? The name does not really tell you much. We, we took a break after polyester's and, and I, I took about, you know, six to eight months off began to just kind of look around and say, okay, I'd like to, again, going back to the idea, I wanted to move out of Chicago and go back to the East Coast. So I knew I wanted to set up shop there. Um, my former partners at, at Polyester's uh, were off doing a couple different things. The, the, I'll tell you, I'll take you through the whole story arc because I think it's actually a, an, you know, it's kind of an exercise in caution and hospitality. Oh. So we, 
we looked in the in the DC area. I called my old landlord from polyesters and I said, "What what things do you have in downtown Washington?" Because we knew that you know, the feeling was that area would would soon be developed. Um, and we started to look around. He said, well, "I have this building, this building, this building." He goes, "And I have this other building over here." He goes, "But you don't want that." And I said, "Why is that?" And he says, "Well, it's a very thin building, and it doesn't have a lot of space." And I said, "Well." And based on our budget and where we are, I thought it was perfect. It was right around the corner in Washington, D.C. from the Verizon Center. And that was really a growing and thriving area of downtown Washington. We could see it. We could feel it. It's one of the things you walk into it and you say, this, this is going to be it. What he also didn't know is there was an option to take out a, the, uh, the lease on the building next door. So our whole thing was give us this one lease at a low rate knowing that we would expand into the second part of the building and triple the size. So he thought he was getting rid of something that was like a sore thumb. And we said, no, 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 we can figure out a way to scale this and connect the two buildings. So that's what we did. We took the lease out there. We built it from the ground up. It was uh, pizza where there was no pizza in downtown Washington that was any good. Really? But what we started to do as entrepreneurs is we were never satisfied. We said, if it's pizza... Not just a deck oven, let's make it bistro, brick oven, you know, wood-fired. Nobody was doing that. So the entrepreneurial lesson that we always talk about when, when I talk to young people getting involved in business is we, we call it the they-gots. And so the they-gots were, what do they got? What's, what does the competition have? And we would sit around after getting messy and building the, the space ourselves. At the end of the day, and we would have these pickle barrel conversations, sitting on the pickle barrel saying, what are the they gots? What can we do better? So Matchbox ended up kind of just, you know, peeling these layers away. And we decided that, okay, if we have pizza, we also want to have bistro. So we had nice bistro items and a good wine list. And we kept the price points at about $22 per person. So we made it very affordable. So nobody was in that mid-range you know, at the time, there was either fine dining or fast casual. Nobody had, had moved into the Washington, D.C. market with quality, but also being able to keep your price points around there. And with the demographic in Washington, with the young people, that was what they wanted. Mm-hmm. So we took off from there. And long story short, we opened up a new restaurant about every two years. And then we had another concept called Ted's Bulletin, which was a 1930s-style diner. So we added to that. And the third concept was called DC3, and that was a kind of a gourmet, fun hot dog place that we did. But we, we just incrementally increased the revenue. And so by the time I left, we actually had 13 restaurants that were on tap with more on the way. And at that point, I could feel that it was time for me to leave. And I, How come? Okay, well, that, that's a good question, too. <laughs> so Matchbox Food Group is the name of the umbrella company that has all these different type of restaurants under it. I got you. It's a corporation. Was. Oh. It didn't end well. Oh. So you started to leave because of why? Well, I started to see two things in uh, 2010. And I essentially left in 2012 and finished it out completely in about 2016. What I noticed was that that dining was changing. And especially in the Washington, D.C. area, and it was changing for a couple of reasons. One big reason was Uber because people weren't sitting in the restaurants as long. And we started to see that because we were building restaurants where people would, large restaurants were kind of, you know, elbow to elbow. And our last, the the largest restaurant we had was 450 seats. 
but we were packing it in the beginning in about 2009, 2010-ish. But what happened, we started to see how the, the product mix was changing and people were buying uh, one pizza and two drinks and leaving. And it was because of Uber. And so a lot of our clientele who were in their mid-20s were just saying, hey, we'll meet at Matchbox. And they put a reservation in. And our expectation was that they would come in and have a three to four, you know, four courses and have the whole meal. And that started to change. And we saw our ticket prices going so down. So they would come in and have one pizza and a bunch of beer? That's correct. Whereas before they would have, they'd have the beer, they'd have the pizza, they'd have a salad, they'd have dessert, and they'd make a night of it. Now they weren't making a night of it. Uh, they were going to go somewhere else. That's there. right. So one of the things that I talked to the partnership about was we have to flex and we have to adapt and we also have to work on a delivery model and yeah. we have to be more flexible in the way that we're looking at our customers and not expecting them to sit in the seats. And that also uh, played into the reservation model that we had, which was a little bit static at that point. It was all in-house reservations. And I said, no, we have to do you know, more flexible. So we had some, a little bit of friction going on there. I think that the biggest reason that I decided to leave Carrie was because we had so many millennials working for us at the time, and they were having a different conversation. They didn't want, and we talk about this from a leadership standpoint. You and John do? They, they didn't want top-down leadership. Mm-hmm. They. And, and the larger we got, unfortunately, what was happening was it ended up being a more of a static, you know, trickle down type of leadership with the, the owners, you know, uh, essentially becoming more removed from it. And I said, that is not the way we have to go. Mm-hmm. It, it just it felt so wrong for me. And, John, please jump in, because I know you've seen this in the Air Force, too. But I but John wasn't you hadn't met John. We had yet. not met at that point. Yeah. Yeah. You didn't meet him till you after you right. sold your shares, which was ugly. Right. Well, I, I can had, tell by your face it was not nice. That's you as a high observer. You're right. <laughs> so I, had to, <laughs> I had to walk away. I said, I, I've, I put my time in. It was about another eight to 10 year cycle. And I said, I said, if we can't change the way I think we need to change, let's shake hands and I will walk away and I will take a buyout. I will be honest with your audience and I'll be honest with you. It didn't go well after I left. Every instinct that I had came home to roost it just did and the bank ended up taking it over the partners ended up being fragmented and as of about eight months ago matchbox had filed for bankruptcy now covid didn't help things no i i left i left at the right time it was time okay so now you've left you're you're a typical entrepreneur you don't have anything to do so you start surfing the net and you find your partner in crime sitting over here john michael general john michael online and as you said earlier before the break you sent him a care package all the way to afghanistan and y'all been friends ever since especially since he saw you on the movies he was like i gotta get to know this guy (laughs) (laughs) all right this is a great place to take a break when we come back we're going to continue our conversation with business partners mr perry smith and retired brigadier general john michael who are bringing back the minuteman franchise and famous menu with charcoal grilled burgers deep dish radar pies still to come arkansas history lesson about west hall founder innovator marketing genius who founded minuteman hamburgers in 1948 what Smith and Michael's plans are for the future Minuteman restaurant, and these two guys, these two gentlemen's idea, dream, and plan for launching their leadership profiling business called Avalon Institute. So we're going to get tips on being a on being a leader to come. We'll be back 
after the break. This year's Giving Tuesday, which is going to be December 1st, is more important than ever. Join others who are giving back to this community, hit hard by COVID-19. One of the places you could donate to, Friends of Dreamland Ballroom. Though this year's conditions surrounding the COVID pandemic have made it impractical for our annual gathering, Dancing into Dreamland, it has in no way caused us to falter in our dedication to preserving this pivotal structure in downtown Little Rock and advocating for its historic significance. We're still moving forward with phase two of the Dreamland Ballroom Public Access Project. That's going to make the third floor ballroom open and available to all persons by being compliant with the Americans with Disabilities Act. Our grand reopening is to be announced in 2021, and we hope you've joined our Facebook page so you don't miss our invitation. Without this year's biggest fundraiser, Dancing into Dreamland, Friends of Dreamland is lacking its largest source of annual revenue. So we ask for your kind and tax-deductible donation on Giving Tuesday, December 1st. It'll help us continue our renovation work, further our educational curriculum and lectures, and facilitate safety-conscious tours and storytelling events. If you receive regular emails from flagandbanner.com, please check down near the bottom, and we'll have links to Giving Tuesday coming up December 1st. Please donate to the Friends of Dreamland. You're listening to Open Your Business with me, Carrie McCoy. I'm speaking today with Mr. Perry Smith and retired Brigadier General John Michael business partners in bringing back Minuteman famous charcoal grilled burger and deep dish radar pot and founders of the leadership program called Avalon Institute. Before the uh, breaks, we talked about the generals working in Afghanistan for, uh, what was the name of that? Uh, Gratitude Cafe. And we talked about Perry being a movie star in New York. <laughs> and then yeah. we and we talked about uh, the the men uh, the Matchbox Food Group and it filing bankruptcy. COVID didn't help it at all. Now let's talk about Minuteman. Wes Hall, the founder, talk about an entrepreneur. But first, Perry, you have longed to move back to Arkansas. How and when did the idea of rekindling the Minuteman brand come about? So, right as it, it, in going back to the the, form, the earlier segment, so. I haven't talked about this before, Carrie, but I but here I want to be clear about it. After the transition, which was a little bit difficult out of Matchbox, I went down to visit my aunt and uncle in El Dorito, uh, you know, Kay and Eamon Mahoney of uh, the Mahoney clan, which a lot of people, you know, Jody Mahoney. And they, oh, yeah. They, so they've been involved in Arkansas politics That's for a while. That's your aunt and uncle? That's my aunt and uncle. Okay. And it was, uh, I needed to get back to my roots and back to a safe space. I said, I, I need to get back down to Arkansas. And so I started to take some trips down here. And whenever I would go visit, I said, you know, I need to go to one place, the last Minuteman. So they would take me over to Minuteman. We would have some burgers. And that's when I met Miss McGugan. And she, God bless her, she blew me off for years. <laughs> it took so long. And I love her to death. And I talk to her every day. And I said, I said, I would go in there and she said, oh, you're that guy from Maryland. And I say, you're right. And, and I said, I'm back. And she says, you just, you just keep talking to me. And I said, you're right. And I said, because we need to do something together. You wanted to get back in the food business. I, and I wanted to do Minuteman because of what it meant. It was such a legacy. I went to the Minuteman up the road here from on Cantrell with my dad. I went to the one on South University. We went to the one on Broadway. My dad took me there, and, and I, I tell this story before, but he, we, we begged to go to the McDonald's on Cantrell when it opened. He went there one time, and he said, he said, we're never coming back. And I said, I said well, yeah, but I thought it was pretty good. And he says, no. 
He says, we're going to go to Minute Man. He said, that's a real good tasting burger. It's charcoal grilled. He goes, and besides, it's an Arkansas company. And I always remember him saying that. And I was like, wow. So that always stuck with me. And I always had this very fond memory with, you know, about Minute Man. So Wes Hall, in doing, in deciding to come back, um, you went to the University of Arkansas Library and you got out the Wes Hall papers, which I was surprised that they've got those there. And he had some, he opened in 1948 on Broadway in downtown Little Rock, Arkansas as a 24-hour coffee shop. Eight years later, he bought out his partners and converted this flagship coffee shop into a quick service restaurant specializing in the burgers that y'all are talking about. And when it was over with, he had 52 Minuteman restaurants at its peak. But what was interesting in your research is you found out that West Hall was the first of many things. Well, it, it West, I, I, there was so much there. And in fact, all of his papers, um, it, it, they jumped out at me because when I started to do my homework, I saw on the Internet. And I said, I said, wait a second. I said, the founder of Minuteman's papers and his corporate documents are all at the University of Arkansas Little Rock? So I'm going to go down and look at that. So I <laughs> sneaked in there, and they thought I. They looked at me. and They said, "Well, no one has ever asked for this stuff." And I said, <laughs> "I said, oh, I just let me just take a look at them." So they said, "Well, what do you want to see?" And I said, "Everything." They started bringing out boxes and boxes of. Oh, of, so nothing was on film or on well, or scanned. Some was, some had been scanned, but but a lot of it was in paper form. Wow. And so so the entire history of Minuteman was laid out there, and West Hall was very diligent about keeping his records. I saw his old P&Ls. I saw when they went public. And, and so I'm, I'm just sitting there for hours on end by myself in the library looking at this stuff. And they thought I was crazy. They said, no one has ever asked for this stuff. But it was a wealth of information because I saw the entire arc of what happened with Miniman. A lot. What happened? Well, uh, long story short, he peaked and he sold to his former CFO in about 1983. It was at the top. He had gone public. He had he had restaurants all over the place. He had franchises. He had company-owned stores. And what happened was when the CFO took it over, and this is a, an interesting lesson. We talk about this a lot. He actually did the opposite of what Ray Kroc did at McDonald's. Ray Kroc wanted to be in the real estate business. So he made sure to maintain the real estate, real estate portion of it and then be, to be able to, to guide or control his franchisees. This gentleman started to sell the restaurants out from underneath his franchisees. He said to them, "You'll either buy them, or I'm selling them." And a lot of the a lot a lot of people don't know this. The franchisees they they couldn't keep up with that. They couldn't pay for the building. They didn't have the money to do that. They couldn't get the loans. So you'll either That's buy the happened. property. So his franchise not you'll not you'll buy the business, but you'll buy the property. He wanted them to buy the buildings. He wanted to sell the buildings. And so do, and so McDonald's owns all these. I didn't realize that McDonald's owns all this property that you see everywhere. They're like the Catholic Church; they got property everywhere. That's right. And then all of their uh, businesses, I guess, pay them rent to. to yes, that's like that's Chick Fil A. Every single store is company owned. Yes. Okay. So there, I mean, there there are some. Again, there are some outlier. You know, with McDonald's, the empire is huge. But but essentially, what what ended up happening was they had to wh- borrow money. That's right. To uh-huh. pay for the property that they couldn't. They didn't and have And then the they money. had this note payment. Right. And they couldn't keep the doors open. So think the of the divergence open. between an innovator who sees, because we haven't even talked about, I mean, the amount of people that are now names you see everywhere that Wes Hall was their inspiration. He even sold them intellectual property. We'll talk about that in a second. So you have an innovator who sees what's possible and creates the conditions for it. Then you have his partner 
who's a CFO, and you can see where now the thinking from a pure profitability, how do I cash out of this type of thing? But in the process of that, literally killed his own business because the spirit of it, and he ended up putting, I mean, think about it. He's putting all this pressure unnecessarily just by virtue of his view of a business model. And so you can see the complete divergence between Wes Hall, the primary guy, and his CFO, and it just marked the end of the business because you didn't keep the innovative spirit alive. You didn't create the conditions. And we talk about leadership. Mm -hmm. Leaders see possibility in people. They create the conditions for people to grow into a version of themselves they don't see yet. I've never heard anybody put it so well. Mm. Well, we're, parents do it, right? Parents are leaders because they see things in their kids. And, you know, when we're young, we're like, yeah, whatever. Then one day we wake up and go, there was a lot of wisdom in what my parents told me. That's a version of leadership. But if you think about it in the world, leaders, they look and they see. And the good ones, they spend all their time creating the conditions for you to be and do the things you're capable of. And so what's what Wes Hall did. He created the conditions for other people now to play their game. Their game was, I want to serve people in a thing called hospitality. And the mechanism for it was Minuteman. When they moved it to a, you've got to own your building, you started, so they started to take away that sense of possibility and created now a whole series of new problems that clouded it and it fell in on itself. So there's all kinds of cautionary tales in there about when you look at it in isolation in business, right? You know, you've got an extraordinarily successful business. When you look at it in isolation, um, this is now, it's it's never going to work out well. You have to look in the totality. And if you don't see it, a good manager invite, empowers people. That's right. And then invite other people also. It invites that, other people. That don't think like you do. That's right. You don't want to have everybody the same at the table. So, Wes Hall was really a master marketer. He was the first guy to partner with Coca Cola to do a signature glass with Coke. What? Oh, moment. Get yeah, this uh-oh, uh-oh, uh-oh. This is a perfect moment. In fact, we, we, uh, it's funny you mentioned this. Wow. Because I have been, I have been, sorry, <gasps> I've been one. obsessively collecting things like this for Minuteman, and when I find them, I, I have go on eBay. Oh so my gosh! Thank you. That is Minute one of the Man. original Minuteman glasses, and people, you know, we have a promotion right now for our, our the new restaurant in Jacksonville. If anybody brings that glass in and they show it, they get free soda for life. Because Wes Hall was, I got free soda for life. Yes, you, you do. do. <laughs> but Carrie, he was the first to do this. He, he when was, was the this, first. When was this glass from? Pardon? When was this glass? 1972. Thanks. That's year I graduated high school. Perfect. Perfect. There you go. All right, go ahead. He was the first. So he was the first to come up with a lot of things. I mean, he had a lot of intellectual property that, um, in, in the slogan, Old Fashioned Burgers, he sold that to Wendy's. Yeah. Can you imagine? He was the first person who came up with a kid's meal magic. called the Magic Meal. Sold it to? Burger. It was Burger Chef and then Burger King. Um, what else did he do? Uh, oh, he was the first to put radar technology. That's right. Yep, with Amanda, right? Though it's so you talk about the, look at that, the first. So now we still see the Wendy's out there. They still have all full fashion, still underneath the sign across America, and that came from West Hall, right West here in Arkansas. So I think it's cute. If anybody is under fifty years old, they don't remember the word radar range, mm-hmm. but it is what we called the microwave when we were kids. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> it's a World War II technology and radars, and they started the radar range. And Wes Hall <laughs> teamed up with Raytheon to receive a microwave oven that he used in his restaurant to warm up his fruit pie. So when you go to a Minuteman and you see. Deep dish. Radar, well, they're called radar range pies, but everybody just knows them as radar pies. Radar deep dish pies. Now, right. you know it's because of the radar range, and it would mm-hmm. burn your mouth off. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and I remember the cherry radar pie. That was what I always ordered at the at the Cantrell location. But see, Carrie, why I get so excited about it is that everybody talks about strategic partners. These, you know, getting a strategic partner or a corporate partner or corporate backing or something, you know, from from an innovation standpoint in business. 
have to understand, Wes Hall did this in the early 1950s. I mean, he started working like late 40s, early 50s. So he was so far out ahead of his time. And that's why I, I start. I got so enamored with the idea. I said, oh, my gosh. I go, he was also the head of the uh, the National Restaurant Association. No. Oh, really? oh absolutely. So he, he was. Is his he was family a, still around? They, and, I, and I met with them. I figured they, you did. They are. Yeah. His daughters are, are still here in Little Rock. And maybe I shouldn't say that. But I sat down with them and said, this is where we are. This is what we like to do. I'm asking for your blessing. And they said, sure. And Here's dad's said, picture. Put it in every minute, man. Well, it, we, we came, let's just say we came to an agreement. And I said, I said, I only, I, what I told them is I said, it's Minuteman. Minuteman belongs to the people of Arkansas. I can't name it, nor will I name it West Hall's Minuteman anymore. I can't do that. Uh-huh. I, and so, so they respected that. I respected their point of view. I said, I can't bring your dad's Minuteman back. I'd like to bring back a heritage brand for Arkansans. That's where we left. And it's it. keeping his memory alive. It really is. That's a cool thing. Let me tell everybody that you're listening to Up in Your Business with me, Carrie McCoy, and I'm speaking today with Mr. Perry Smith and retired Brigadier General John Michael, business partners, and bringing back the Minuteman famous charcoal grilled burger and deep dish radar pie that you've just been hearing about, and founders of the leadership program called Avalon Institute. Let's talk about Avalon Institute. Avalon Leadership Institute. What is it? And well, that's how, really how you guys got together. 2016, you're in Afghanistan, John. Perry finds out about you on the on the web. He sends you a huge care package to all of your 14 countries. You're uniting in your gratitude cafe. Now y'all have become friends. How did y'all end up finally meeting? So, so let me add one piece to that, if okay. I can. So I was, again, doing all my homework and the research on Minuteman. And, and, you know, working on the concept, you know, deciding what it needed to be. So you started this thinking about this a long time ago. Oh, yes. Oh. Because it took that long to get Miss Linda to actually say, let's <laughs> sign a deal. How long did, when, when did you start? Would you say what year? Oh, I started to, I started to crawl up her. Don't say it. I won't say it, but I started that. <laughs> I, I was just being insufferable, but I go down a couple times a year. What year? Oh, starting in 2012. Oh, wow. So that was before he even met you, mm-hmm. right, John. So when John and I met, and I like, we can talk about Avalon, I, I always said, I said, I have this thing. And, and John encouraged me. He said, don't give up on it. He said, eventually, it took years for us to, to get to the point where we could actually sign a development deal with Miss McGugan. And John kept saying, don't give up on it, because this is going to be leadership in action. Oh. And that, I guess, your question about Avalon. So that's um, how Avalon was birthed. It was. I mean... One of the things that caught Perry, um, I think because of what Gratitude represented, was a very different kind of organizing model for how you can bring disparate people together for a common cause. People from different backgrounds, oh. different cultures, right? So mm-hmm. I had, And so what happens is it doesn't matter. That thing happened to be called NATO in a war zone. It's no different than in a community, right? So it was an organizing way to get people together very quickly around an idea that they could go, I can identify with that. Not complicated. It's food. In this case, it was coffee. So when we got connected, we connected in a coffee shop. Because uh, we said, I owe you a cup of coffee when I get to the state. So my first trip coming back from Afghanistan was in October. We met at another, for a different story, about another gentleman who created a coffee shop out of a crack house and is now very famous downtown Washington, D.C. So we met there wow. and we learned about, started telling me about Minuteman. My whole background's in organi- creating high-performing organizations, leadership, so on. So we started to realize, you know, there's a lot of synergies here. What he had talked about, the trend he picked up 
with the millennials as it shifted and their preferences shifted in these structures around them. They didn't want someone telling them what to do all the time. They wanted to be empowered to say, here's your space to operate. And there's a set of rules that start to emerge. So we said, you know, we should start to codify this. I got all this experience and you have that experience and we'll use it as an opportunity now to teach others. We collected some assessments and things that we do. And that's how Avalon was born. But what's really important with Avalon for the purposes of this conversation we're having Mm -hmm. is one thing to have a place where you can have people who have different experiences and we go help companies and we, we spent time together lecturing at Special Operations Command, uh, very specialized government agencies whose names we can't say on the air. Uh, all kinds of people wanted to know, how can I do a better job of connecting people? But for us at Minuteman, the way it came together, we represent three primary things. We're mission-minded. means our vision is to be America's first all-veteran-led franchise hospitality system. What? So that's one. Where Mission is that li- written anywhere? No, it's, it is written. You'll see it on the you walls. You just got the it's, scoop. It's <laughs> all coming out. The scoop. We have a new website coming out. We have it. Uh, the, it's about to be plastered on all the walls the of the restaurant. The name is perfect. The Minute Man. It is. Yes. Okay, go ahead. Then we're people-powered, so, which is what we're talking about here, right? So, one, it's going to be all-veteran. So mission-minded. Mission-minded. America's first all-veteran-led franchise system. Why? We have people that now have innate leadership, like we talked in the hallway, we just can give them the business skills. So instead of giving people talk about give veterans a job, thank you for all those who do that. I'd rather see more become business owners. That's right. Business leaders. You know why? We first opened Miniman. One thing we noticed is uh, we have a we have a bunch of young people now. Schools changed, so we have a big flagpole that you probably noticed when you were there. Mm-hmm. We asked them how many understand the history of the flag and how many has ever raised and lowered a flag. Mm-hmm. So we have a ceremony every day. They raise the flag. The young people in our store raise the flag every morning, oh, which you should appreciate gosh, given your business. I love this. So we raise it. We explain the history to it. They lower the flag at night. We now, so second part, people powered. We can talk about Avalon. We've built a leadership program that for, for, our, for the people, the, our employees. It's called the Citizen Leader Program. So whether you're learning flag, U.S. history, the, what does a Miniman represent? That's servant leadership. Yeah. So now it's selflessness and it's teaching us skills to be, how do you connect? What are the skills that really matter in this economy of ours? And then the last part is about being other centered, right? And so we've got a currency of caring program, which promotes charities from the community. So people can do a simple transaction. So everything you touch, I want a veteran who's taking their leadership skills and training the next generation. We want to now have something that invests in this generation and so we're investing in the citizen leader program for our employees. Southwest Airlines is the most successful iron for a reason. They were the first to say the customer isn't the most important. My employee is the most important. Because if I get it right with them, they'll get it right with the customer. We say that, but they were the first to live it. And look what happened with that brand. And last but not least, if we keep our eyes focused on the people around us by now saying everything you touch. And we live in a society. Take a look at Tacos for Life around here. They've been very successful. Why? Their tacos are, are, are good. It's because you can't, you're moved by the pictures of the children you're helping on the wall. Every meal is actually doing something to make a difference in the world. And when you want to talk millennials and young people, people yearn for that. Mm-hmm. So bottom line, we think Minuteman is what I call patriotism, no nonsense. Get back to what the symbol's about. If somebody was willing to give up their life for an idea called America, that's all it was. Mm-hmm. They were willing to do whatever it took that was selfless. And that's really what made this country possible. So we just want to get back to those core things in our simple way, except hospitality is a beautiful way to connect people. I am speechless. I'm going to join. How do I join Avalon? Just, just join. You're, you're an associate <laughs> member already. Who does join Avalon? 
anybody can join Avalon. I mean, Avalon is Avalon is an idea. It's, our website is called AvalonLeadership.com, but anybody can join. And and again, we mentioned things like assessments. May I say one thing before? Yes. Okay. One thing about Minuteman and all the things that John just outlined there, Wes Hall created that space in the community where people could gather. It's, it's home, it's school. It was a Starbucks before Starbucks even existed. And he gave so much back to every community. And that's why all his locations throughout Arkansas, let's think about it. They were in Camden. They were in Magnolia. Mm-hmm. They were in Jonesboro. They were in Fort Smith. They were everywhere in Arkansas. That's why the, the when I started to do the homework here, the sense of goodwill, and, and we talked about the business and what happened, but people didn't really understand why Minuteman went away. They just knew that it left a void. Mm-hmm. And so so that sense of in the community and being part of the fabric and the conversation in the community is what is what really made me so enamored by it because I said, oh, my gosh. I go, that's the leadership model. That's mm-hmm. it. The presence in the community where things get done. Is Avalon Institute for anyone or just for businesses? That's right. And we have government. We have, again, think of it more as a is means. Is it cost to enroll when you go there? It no. says enroll. No. So you just go in there and put your, put your information in because yep. you can't really get past the, the advertising unless you put your information in, I noticed. I wanted to dig deeper and mm-hmm. find out what sure. the courses were, but you have to go ahead and put your, do you sell anybody's name or information if they go put it in there? No, it's, no. It's completely no. safe. Go put your information yes. in there and then you can get down into the nuts and bolts of what Avalon is. We, we have three different types of assessments. We have what's called the, the cognitive uh, peak performance assessment, which is more about how you think and how you process information. Um, we also have uh, an assessment on emotional intelligence, which we, we teach which to our getting, employees as well. Which is huge these it's days. Huge. These and, EQ, everybody's talking about EQs. That's right. And, and then, and then, of course, the other assessment that you used in the, in the military. Yeah, it's professional dynamic. So it's your yep. preferred style. So your preferred style of being, mm-hmm. your way of thinking, mm-hmm. and your way of acting with others. So that's Listen, why we put those you three. guys have got to come back. The show's over. We're not going to be able to oh. do our usual run out of the show. Here, they're starting to play the music on us. But I just want to tell you all how much I've enjoyed it. I hope you come back in Thank a year. You so Thank you so much for having us. And let's talk amazing. more about Avalon. I want to learn a lot more about Thank Avalon. You. Thank you to all of our listeners who's been watching. I hope you've heard or learned something that's been inspiring or enlightening and that it, whatever it is, has helped you up your business, your life, or your independence. I'm Carrie McCoy, and I'll see you next time on Up In Your Business. Until then... Be brave and keep it up. You've been listening to Up In Your Business with Carrie McCoy, a production of FlagandBanner.com. If you miss any part of this show or want to learn more about UIYB, go to FlagandBanner.com and click on Radio Show or subscribe to her weekly podcast wherever you like to listen. All interviews are recorded and posted the following week with links to resources you heard discussed on today's show and Carrie's goal to help you live the American dream.